Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with an entrepreneur in the home service industry, Beth McDaniel. She is the co-founder and president of the award-winning paint and coatings company, Reactive Services, where she also serves as legal counsel. As a partner in the McDaniel & Associates law firm, she specializes in patent and trade secret law. Her legal practice is focused on contracts, business administration, innovation, and entrepreneurship. As a serial entrepreneur, she has guided this bleeding-edge innovation company operating in the paint and coatings and specialty chemical industries for the past 15 years. She's got a great story. Enjoy this interview. Thank you again for taking a minute out today. And before we dive into your life and your work and get to know you a little better, I want to know over the last three years, we all survived the pandemic and went through COVID. And I'm wondering how you survived it and how it's changed the way that you live your life and conduct business now that we're coming out of it and the world's waking up. <laughs> um, it's funny that you say that because I just recovered from COVID a couple days ago. Yeah, with regard to the years of COVID, you know, it all started out so dire and so scary and, and you know, we were, uh, and people were dying all over the place. There's no, you know, now COVID has gotten more like a flu and um, so we, we, and we've learned how to handle it, and we have Clorox wipes now, and, you know, we're not washing our groceries before they come in the house anymore. We've learned a lot and, um, about the disease and about ourselves. And, um, and I'd say that I've, during those years, you know, I found out a lot about, about myself and just kind of the structure of my life because it was, it was so immediate, you know, um, and it just upset the whole structure of everything. You know, our kids were we're no longer going to school all of a sudden, and that upset them. And, of course, there's this family, you know, dynamic, and that changes, and everyone's at home together, and, and we're all trying to get our stuff done, and people are, you know, having their own issues with it. But what I found in the end, one thing that I thought was interesting, Joe, is that uh, um, that with the structure being pulled out from underneath us, it caused us to have to, you know, kind of rise up like a phoenix and, and find the right structure for us at the time. And some of those things I've found are kind of the right structure for life. For instance, you know, I don't need to go to the office every day. I really don't. There's, uh, we're suited to, you know, working at home, and I think most people found that, but it's, in fact, I get a lot more done sometimes when I'm at home. And I think you'd find, you know, a million other people that would say that same thing. But I also don't need to go every time to the doctor, for instance. You know, we can do that on over a FaceTime, and it's just as effective in a lot of cases. And um, so we found that running around all the time and trying to do everything outside of the house is not necessarily the most efficient an effective way of doing things. So I'd say that, you know, our, our lives have changed in that way, in some ways, for the better. Well said. I agree, you know, and, and I think that, um, you know, I've noticed with, like, health appointments, there's just no need to drive and to do all of that, all the rigmarole that goes into it when you can just do it remote. So, yeah, no, well said. And, and to get a better And handle, work stuff, too. I don't mean to interrupt you, but just adding, you yeah. know, we're, we're going to talk about work, but also, like, you know, I don't need every meeting – in person. I don't need to fly yeah. all over the country and meet with people when we can really do it pretty effectively on Zoom if everyone just kind of buys into that process, and they did. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think all of it can be streamlined 
through the digital. Um, mm -hmm. So let's get a complete handle on what you do for a living. And I want to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. And one of the kids looks up and asks you, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them? Okay, first of all, I love teaching. That's one of the things that I do on the side. That's not my uh, occupation, but more my affectation. But So I, I've been asked questions like that. And I like to explain things like a third grader because I think inside I'm probably more of a seventh grader, okay, 56-year-old <laughs> seventh grader. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, so what we do is in our business, we have a company that innovates in the um, paint and coating space. Um, paint and coatings are something that most people have never really thought about. Um, and um, I always say it's the biggest industry never, no one's ever thought about. And, but if you look all around you, wherever you are and wherever your listeners are, I, I invite you to look around you. And everything that you see around you that's man-made has a coating on it, okay? Coatings historically have been there to, to um, either decorate a surface uh, in hummingbird yellow or, or to um, protect a surface. And uh, in doing so, anything that's man-made always gets coated at some point in its manufacturing process. So if you look at the walls around you, if you look at the, you know that, but the floor, the ceiling, the cabinet, your eyeglasses, your computer screen, your paper, your clothing, um, really anything that you see has been coated. Glass has been coated, mirrors are coated. So in, in our business, we see all of that coated surface as surface area that we can use. So what we've done in our business, um, a company called Reactive Surfaces, is we have added a third dimension to the coating uh, formula, and that is, in addition to decorating the surface or, or protecting the surface, uh, we add functionality to it. And where we get our, and that's not our idea, okay, there have been other companies that have functionalized paints and coatings, okay, to do something, to be uh, to be anti um, to be antimicrobial, sorry, um, or something like that, but they use um, usually heavy metals or toxic um, additives are used in that way. What we've done is we just pull from nature, and what we did is merge two scientific disciplines, um, that of biotechnology, pulling from nature, things like enzymes and peptides that have some sort of functionality in nature, and merging that with polymer science or material science which is the paint. And that is what had not been done before. And um, so really what we do is we take, we look to nature and there's some sort of functionality like a, an enzyme we use um, that uh, it breaks down greases, natural greases, fats, and oils in nature. That's what it does. The art of what we do is to see that, take that, and then train that into a coating system and let it do what it does but on a surface. And then we can spread it all over surfaces, and we've got functional surfaces that react to their environment in some way or another. So generally speaking, that's what our company does, and I'm president of that company. So how did this happen? How did you get to this point that this is your passion, this is your business, and this is what you uh, that, that motivates you? Yeah. Well, I kind of married into it because uh, my husband, Steve, is the chief innovation officer and the, and the founder of this company and the founder of this technology. Um, we started this company about 20 years ago. 
And um, it all started, um, so he's kind of crazy, sciencey, hair on end, you know, Einsteinish, and I say that not lightly. I mean, he's truly one of the most brilliant minds in, bio, in biosciences right now, um, in my humble opinion, but it's true. <laughs> and, um, and what was the stimulus for this was, okay, so he had done a lot of research when he was a PhD, and when uh, 9-11 happened, um, he had done a lot of research using, um, well, he had actually cloned a gene um, that was um, detoxified um, like pesticides, okay? They, they found that it detoxifies those. And, um, and so, you know, you hear about pesticides and how dangerous they are and when they're overused and birth defects and all that kind of stuff. So this would be something that works against that. Well, after 9-11, uh, he got a call from a friend, and he said, uh, oh, I no, I'm sorry, there was an interview, because someone, someone discovered that he had done this research and cloned this gene, and mm -hmm. what it, everyone was concerned of, of course, of course, at that time, was weapons of mass destruction, one of which is chemical weapons, nerve weapons, sarin gas, that kind of thing, VX, Russian VX. Um, things that were used like in the Holocaust, in the death, um, in the death chambers where they would, you know, the gas chambers. Um, and so uh, the, the chemical makeup of, of those um, chemicals are, the same, are similar to that of pesticides. And so someone linked that up and said, um, you know, would this work against an, a nerve weapon? Would this clone gene work? And he said, and the answer was something like, well, it would, if it, but but it would ha it would have to be on a surface because nerve gases are not really gases; they're actually tiny droplets, and those droplets will land, will light on surfaces, right? And will fall out, and it's in the air for a while, but then it falls down on all the surfaces. And so he said, maybe if you could put it in the paint, you know, or something like that, and paint it on a surface, then it would work. And the guy said, he was a money raiser, and he said, well, if I raise some money for you to do that, I mean, would you do that? And like, I have no idea about paint, you know, it wasn't his business. But um, they raised the money, and we did it, and it works great. And it's, it's our technology. It's our platform technology called WMD Talk, uh, painted on a surface, on, on a tank, or on a, uh, or on a barrack, or, you know, even on a, um, on a, on a soldier's uniform or on a door handle or something like that, if there were a chemical attack, you would have to wait until the air cleared out, okay, because there is floating, you know, droplets in the air. Once that cleared out and everything lighted on the surfaces, whatever was painted with WMD detox would be detoxified in about 24 hours, 24 to 48 hours. Uh, you could eat off that surface after that. And that is absolutely there's nothing else like that that does that. Um, there are military coatings that actually make things like weapons of mass destruction, like chemical weapons, easier to clean. Uh, but there's nothing that actually works chemically to change the makeup of it so it's completely detoxified. And that was the genesis of our company. It was built on that. But then we've, since then, we've um, d developed other platform technologies using other biomolecules like peptides, okay? And then you, I think the reason why we're talking now might be because of interest in our carbon capture coatings, in which case, in that case, we took an organism from nature, an algae, 
uh, not a biomolecule, but an organism, and, and train that into a coding system and ask that to do what it does in nature, which is photosynthesize, going back to your third grade uh, biology, or um, then we remember that what um, what algae and plants and trees do in nature is they pull down carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, and um, with the help of sunlight and moisture, and then they uh, or water, and then they release oxygen and glucose. And so we've taken advantage of that process and put it into a paint, and then we can spread that on whatever surface area we want. Surface area becomes a carbon removal technique. Okay, so let's go back in your life. When you were in the third grade, what did you want to be when you grew up? What was your dream job? <laughs> That's funny that you say that. My mom used to say that I just wanted to be a kid. I didn't ever, like, really dream of that. But I ended up um, – my dad was a chemist also. Uh, and I didn't – surprisingly, I didn't really take a great deal of interest in science. Um, but uh, I was more into um, – I don't know, English and finance. I mean, well, I ended up studying finance for my undergraduate degree, but I don't know that I was looking at that when I was in third grade. You know, I was more like, oh, I want to be a veterinarian or something like that, <laughs> like every kid says. And um, as I got older and got into the work world, that's when I realized maybe, you know, law would be a good place for me. So that's that's where I got my formal training was in law school. So who's kind of been a role model or a hero for you in life? A role model or hero. Okay, so, well, I, there are so many, but um, I would say, so I've done a lot of work in the, um, in the, in human rights, um, and uh, specifically in uh, genocide prevention and uh, ending genocide. Uh, for about 10 years, I did that as a, um, some, an out, some outside work that I did. Um, more about, like, building up political will in your community to fight and in, in, in genocide and prevent it. Um, so within that, those 10 years, I learned a lot about some real heroes in the world. And you talk about heroes. I mean, these are people that saved lives during what I used to tell my kids that I'd teach genocide about. I'd, I'd tell them there is nothing worse than genocide because it means that there's a group of people who think that people that like you should no longer exist on earth and they're trying to wipe you out. And um, so that's, uh, you know, anyone who fights that, in my opinion, is like the biggest hero in the world. And, and you know, bigger than a, than a big corporate leader, maybe, <laughs> um, even though they, they can do great things, too. So there is one person that comes to, um, a number of people that come to mind, but one of them is um, a guy named Carl Wilkins. And he uh, was a... Um, he was reverend, actually, that was working in Rwanda. Um, he was living with his family. He moved his family over there, and he was working in Rwanda at a time right before the Rwandan genocide. And uh, he, um, uh, the genocide broke out. This was the basis for what I did for, the next, for those years was because there was really no way to prevent this. I don't know if you remember it back in the mid-'90s, but it was horrible. It was all of a sudden... We just realized, like, 800,000 people were were murdered in front of the in front of the world, 
you know, um, within about three months. Okay, so we're talking about, you know, like the metropolitan area of Austin, Texas, where I live, is gone in 90 days. And uh, these people were just hatched to death, whatever, you know, it's horrible. Uh, he was American living there. He sent his family away, and he said, I can't let this happen. And he became kind of, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Hotel Rwanda. Um, yeah. Okay, so that guy, you know, helped people by opening up his hotel and letting them stay there so that they wouldn't get wiped out. He did the same thing. Um, and he... Um, as an American, had a special, had a lot of influence over there, and he could, he could go into the, into the, um, you know, minister's office in, in Rwanda and say, hey, I've got this orphanage here. I can't let y'all attack it. You can't take these kids. I mean, he actually went and advocated for the release of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kids in orphanages. He helped his neighbors. He risked his life every day. And to me, those were. There and I know many others like him that I've met that um, that have faced similar circumstances and just stood up and did what's right and were heroes really here. So that's my answer to your question. Excellent. So, you know, in your life, you know, we gain wisdom, we overcome things. Let's say you have a dream tonight. You run into, say, an earlier version of you, a 20-year-old version of you, and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on, the wisdom you've gained in your life, what would you tell your young version? Don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would be one thing. Um, yeah. No, in fact, that's not what I would tell them. I would tell them, do everything in moderation, okay, and, and look out for your soul and yourself and don't lose yourself in anything that you do. Um, and so, no, I don't expect people to be perfect and I, I wouldn't even expect my 20 year old with a lot of you know my 20 year old self if it had if I had the right guidance or whatever to do all the right things and I had a, I had a lot of great figures to follow and and my parents were great and and family was good supportive and stuff like that so I had all the benefits of that and I still was you know lost in my 20s so um yeah, everything in moderation is more like it, and um, and do something meaningful that's meaningful to you. Uh, you know, do things that you know take steps to do that, even amidst all the chaos of your life. Step out of your life, find something that's meaningful to you, and take action on that. Um, that's one thing I would say. Um, be kind, you know. Be be kind to people that others maybe aren't as kind to, you know. Uh, look beyond the obvious, you know, failings of people and, and try to find the good side of people. Uh, I won't get into, like, boyfriends and stuff like that cause that would... <laughs> too much advice. Yeah, there. no. Yeah, no. I think that's a great answer. I think you kind of got to the essence of what I was looking for. Um, and and I'm curious in your life up to this point, of all of the things that you've done and accomplished, what are you the proudest of? Well, raising my kids. Um, but that's so cliche. But but they're awesome. 
and uh, we even have grandkids, um, and they're, yeah. So the best thing I've ever done is, is for them. But um, what I'm most proud of probably is working with kids and, and helping children um, and recognizing the strengths that they have and, and bringing those things out, uh, teaching and, and letting people learn to be their best selves. Let me ask you this. You know, everyone out there has a perception of you, an idea of who they think you are, your family, friends, clients, um, colleagues, but ultimately you live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Wow. Uh, who do I think I am? Um, I think I'm, I think I'm kind. Uh, I think I'm smarter than the average bear probably, but not, but there are so many people so much, much smarter than me. So I'm, I'm good at taking advice and, and, and observing and, and learning from others, um, no matter who they are, you know, what their age is or what their social status is and all of that. Uh, I think I'm generous. I, I think that, uh, I, I believe that no one wins if we all don't survive well and, and you know, have a good livelihood. So uh, it's not a zero-sum game to me. Uh, I really feel strongly about building people up, about building community. Um, and um, so, like, you know, I, I think I'm a little communist maybe. I have communist um, I, um, genes. My my family goes way back to Russia. And, and, um, and I mean communist in a good sense, like communist, like, I don't need to have more than other people. That's not, that's, the comparison doesn't help me really. You know, I, I want to lift other people up to where we are. I like having stuff, but I want other people to have, to be equal in that way. So I think I have a sense of fairness and equality. Excellent. Beth, so if anyone out there wants to learn more about your company, about you, anything related to your world, where can they go? Where's the best place? Well, um, if you want to learn more about our company and our technology, and there's a lot, then you can go to reactivesurfaces.com. And that's reactive surfaces like the surface of a table, not services.com. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, that's probably the best thing. I, I've been doing a lot of, um, we've been doing a lot of media stuff, so if they want to, but it's mostly related to that, you can find links to that. Um, on that side. Excellent. Beth, you said everything was great. You, you, there, was, there was all kinds of moments of, of profoundness, and it, you, you really got into your life. You did well. Thank you for opening up. I, re I really appreciate the story. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <laughs>